0: Hey, true crime listeners, it's Kayla here.
1: And I'm Kayla's mom, Alicia.
0: And you are listening to True Crime Exposed. Clicked on our show today in search of true crime cases that you may have never heard of well you made it you're in the right place so welcome to our show to introduce ourselves real quick in case you're new here we are just a daughter and mom duo i host this show my mom listens discusses or reacts we discuss a brand new case every week and you'll feel right at home with our casual storytelling We created True Crime Exposed to not only expose some of the worst people that exist among us and commit these terrifying crimes, but most of all, to give each victim's story exposure. We support the life of anyone who was taken from us unjustly. And by sharing these stories, we can be victim advocates. We love being a voice for those that no longer have one, for getting stories out there that need to be heard. Each case we share with you holds a special place in our hearts. Ready for today's case? Okay, so today I decided to talk to you guys about Michael Darnell Bell Jr. Have you heard of it? Probably not. I haven't. Yeah, I didn't think so because this case has gotten little to no media coverage. It was so hard to find info on.
1: Huh, I wonder why.
0: Well... Mike is a young black man, so this probably played a role into the media's interest in this case. It seems like a lot of the time the media has a big interest in like young, white, beautiful girls, so unfortunately, Mike's case may have just not been picked up and it wasn't shared enough. Now here we are and no one's been talking about it. Mm. But that's part of the reason I feel like it's so important that we are talking about it today. Let's hear it. So Michael Darnell Bell Jr. He was born on January 26, 1986, and he was born to the parents Michael Darnell Bell Sr. and Deanna McKnight Bell. And just about a year before Michael Jr. was born, his parents got married on July 5th, 1985, and they were living in Cleveland, Ohio. They already had one child at the time when they married, and her name was Ashanta Bell, who was born in October of 1983. And this is Michael Jr.'s older sister. Following their marriage, they were thrilled to welcome that middle child and their only son, Michael Darnell Bell Jr., and then five years later in August of 1991, they brought home their third and final child together, another daughter, Shakina Bell. And from what I could tell in my research, Michael Jr., who I'm actually just going to call Mike from here on out he seemed to have grown up in a really healthy environment he remained close with his family as an adult he seemed to look up to his parents and was actually able to go on and follow a lot of his dreams. So, Mike attended Shaker Heights High School in Ohio where he was a starter for 3 years of his high school football career under coach David Sedmack and he was able to rank as one of the nation's top 50 athletes through rival.com. And although he had dislocated his shoulder in 2003 which caused him to miss 3 games, He was actually still able to earn Northeast Lakes All-District Honors. So he was a good student, a good athlete, and he wasn't just a good athlete. He was also a successful student. So, after he graduated high school, it looks like he was able to take both his football and his student career to the next level. He enrolled at Michigan State University on January 12, 2004, and decided to major in interdisciplinary studies. I had no idea what that was. It's basically for students who want to study broadly in the social sciences rather than concentrate on a particular discipline. This knowledge and training would basically prepare him for careers in government, public service, or law. He was also able to play football at MSU for his entire college career. As a freshman, he was named Scout Team Offensive Player of the Week as a wide receiver during their game against Notre Dame. He played both his freshman and sophomore years in 2004 and 2005. However, in 2006 it does look like he was not allowed to play in any games for the entire season due to disciplinary reasons.
1: Oh, did it say what?
0: No, I only could find it on that website, that msuspartans.com, and it was only posted there because it shares the stats and the different things that each player did when they played. So that year it shows that he didn't play because of the interdisciplinary reasons. Then in 2007, it looks like he was able to go back to playing. And once again, he was named Scout Team Player of the Week during Michigan's game against Bowling Green. And then the following year, he played his final season as a fifth-year senior.
1: Okay, so he's a smart kid. He's an athlete. Sounds like he comes from a good family maybe something happened during that year that he didn't play football, but we don't know what.
0: We don't know what. I wish I knew. But it doesn't seem like it was something that was this huge deal or something really serious because the following year, he went right back to playing and then he played until he graduated. Okay. So it could have just been something like grades. Right. Right. I believe it's sometime after college, but I'm not sure exactly when, but Mike does go on to have a baby and it's a little boy. He has a son and I can't find a lot of info on him. That's probably a good thing to protect him. I do believe he would still be a minor at the time that this episode is released. So not a lot of info on who he is or where he's at, but Mike did have a son.
1: So what year is this that he had the baby?
0: I don't know what year he had the baby because, like I said, there's almost no info on Mike's son. And then at some point, Mike's life eventually leads him to move out to Los Angeles, California. I can't really find out what took him there or where he was working, but I'm assuming he gets a job out here once he finishes up at MSU and this is where Mike ends up. And on April 22nd, 2009, the Bell family is struck with this unimaginable tragedy when their father, Michael Darnell Bell Sr., is found dead in his car in Cleveland, Ohio. He was murdered at only 48 years old. Oh,
1: wow. Okay, did he get shot or...
0: I really have no idea. I wish there was more info. I mean, when I say I couldn't find anything, I mean, I could not find anything. I dug deep. I spent more than an hour just trying to find stuff on Michael Darnell Bell Sr.'s murder. But the only place I could find it was in the Fresno Bee where Mike's mom actually talks about it. So I guess take it with a grain of salt. But that's all we have. Deanna says that the motive for her husband's murder and the killer remain unknown to this day. And this is a really heartbreaking part to this story because it's not the case we're talking about in today's episode. I can't even find anything about Michael Sr.'s case. If it's still being investigated, if it's still open, no one is talking about it and that's heartbreaking to me. So although I'm not diving into the case because seriously, I cannot find any info on it, please share his small story, especially if you're in Ohio, say his name, let it be known that this father still deserves justice and we should still be searching for the answers to each and every murder that we possibly can. So what are the odds that a tragedy of this nature what happened to the Bell family, not once, but twice. I really can't even fathom being Deanna Bell and losing your husband in this really horrific way. And then as she's healing, two very short years later, tragedy strikes the Bell family again, and it feels like a huge slap to their face when they realize what they're going through. On September 11th, 2011, Mike drove one of his sisters to the airport in California where she was catching a flight back home to Ohio for a visit. I'm unsure what sister was in California, if she was living with him or on her own. This case seriously had such a small amount of media coverage and no one is talking about it. So finding the answers to some of these really simple questions was so Frustrating because in my opinion this case is actually really boggling and it should have received more media coverage and more pressure from the public to get answers like you know those cases that just leave you at the end consumed by wondering like where are you i have to find you
1: yeah they just turn into cold cases
0: yeah, and I hate it. I I don't want it to be a cold case. I want to know what happened. This is that case for me. Where are you, Michael Darnell Bell Jr.? This case reminds me a lot of the Maura Murray case. Have you heard of that? I have. Yeah, and people are obsessed with this case. And then here we are with Mike, and it's barely even being talked about. Now, Maura Murray is a young, beautiful white girl, and Mike is a young black man. So, unfortunately, I'm sure this played a role into the media coverage on each case. But this case deserves to be talked about. Mike deserves for people to be searching for him and asking for answers. That doesn't seem fair it doesn't and it's not fair. So Mike, here we are today. We are giving your story the coverage that it deserves and we are looking for you. Anyways, after Mike drops his sister off, he ends up heading back home to his apartment in LA. He is actually supposed to follow close behind his sister and is heading to Ohio himself nine days later. So He should have been showing up in Ohio around September 19th or 20th. But on September 17th, Deanna could not get in touch with her son and she was starting to worry. She's questioning why he's not getting back to her. And honestly, it is really concerning when you talk to someone every day and then all of a sudden you don't hear from them. This happened to me the other day, actually, with you.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. We couldn't go on a day excursion without people freaking out.
0: (laughs) Guys, my mom thought that it was okay to leave and go rock hounding for like 12 hours. So me and my sister are like trying to get a hold of my mom. I hadn't talked to her since early that morning. And it's the evening by this point. I've called her like four times. My sister's called her a bunch. No one's answering. So I'm like, okay. This is weird. I call my stepdad. I call my sister. Everyone's phones are straight to voicemail. And I'm like freaking out at this point. My mom knows that this is how my brain works. And she didn't say a thing to me. And I'm like texting the group chat. I'm asking all my brothers and sisters, like, has anyone heard from any of them? My one sister sends me a screenshot of like my little sister's location on Snapchat. And it hasn't moved in about eight hours So then I'm freaking out and I tell them, okay, I'm giving them till 6 p.m. At 6 p.m., if no one has gotten a hold of me, I'm calling the police for a welfare check (laughs) on them. Okay. (laughs) And then just before 6 p.m., my mom gets a hold of us and they were rock hounding which is basically searching for rocks in the desert along the, what was it?
1: Oh, um, we went on the Pony Express Trail.
0: Which, side note, guys, is connected to Josh Powell, that horrible, disgusting human being from Utah that, you know, we all know killed his wife. And if you don't know the end of that story, go listen to Cold because it is an incredible podcast on Josh Powell and Susan Powell. Anyways, Deanna Bell's thinking to herself, Mike's probably busy, and she had just spoken to him the day before on September 16th, so she's just going to wait it out, and she'll talk to him when he arrives in Ohio, or he'll get a hold of her soon. She's not too concerned about it yet. But then the time comes that he's actually supposed to show up in Ohio, and it comes and it goes. And Michael is nowhere in Ohio, nowhere to be found, and he's not getting in touch with his family. This gives Mike's entire family just that sick feeling in their gut. They're anxious and they couldn't sit around waiting any longer. So on September 22nd, just a few days after Mike didn't return home to Ohio, his mom and one of his sisters go to L.A. to find out what is going on. When they first arrived, they head straight to Mike's apartment. He should be there, right? He never showed up in Ohio. Where could he be? When they get to his apartment, they don't see the car he was using anywhere outside. Mike had been driving one of his mom's car, a blue 2002 Toyota Camry with an Ohio license plate. And even though they don't see his car outside, they head into his apartment. They're first knocking, no answer. But they are able to get into his apartment and inside they find his phone. Most of his personal belongings as well as spoiled food inside the microwave. Mm, Bad sign. This scene is disturbing because everything looked like he should have been right back. But him and the car are nowhere to be found. And his phone's there. And he hasn't gotten a hold of anyone for at least six days at this point. This apartment visit didn't go well. There were no answers here, and what they found just made them more concerned. So immediately after they check on the apartment, they go to the LA Police Department and officially report him as a missing person.
1: Yeah, he probably, he definitely wouldn't leave without his phone.
0: Seriously, who would? What are you going to do if something happens and you're stranded on the side of the road and... You have no way to get in contact with anyone, which really ends up happening in this case.
1: So did the police believe her or did they just think like a lot of times that they just disappeared because they wanted to or did they actually treat it as a missing person I think
0: they took the case pretty seriously from the start because Mike did have all those things left at his home and Deanna hadn't been in contact with him for six days at this point point. and it does seem like they started the investigation pretty quickly they end up coming in contact with someone who saw him later on so thankfully I don't think it was a case where they told Deanna that she had to wait any longer to report her son missing.
1: Huh, okay.
0: Deanna Bell told the police department how this wasn't like her son. She didn't believe he would leave without warning to his family. He's not just going to go put them through something like this. Deanna Bell had described him as having a really good heart he was giving and he was outgoing and actually at the time of his disappearance mike was in the middle of starting a nonprofit organization that was going to establish group homes for homeless children like he was such a good guy part of his trip home to ohio was actually so that he could meet with others that were on the board of organization and get the ball rolling he was never going to miss out on this meeting willingly so what happened to him as police start an investigation into his disappearance they are able to obtain cctv footage from his apartment and it documents him multiple times on september 16th 2011. this was the same day his mom last spoke with him The footage shows Mike going in and out of his apartment multiple times, and he is seen carrying stuff out to his car each time. So this could be weird, but it also could mean nothing. I'm thinking he could have been getting ready for that trip, taking stuff he was taking with him a little bit at a time, not procrastinating it like I always do. I'd be like running from my apartment with like 50 bags trying to stuff it all in one hour before my flight. But I think a lot of people are more responsible than that. So seriously, he could have just been preparing for that trip. He could have been preparing for work, really anything. And they didn't specify what the items were that he was carrying. So we are just left to speculate on that. He was last seen on this camera leaving his apartment at 3 p.m. that same day, September 16th. And then he is never seen on that CCTV footage ever returning to his apartment. But there was one more sighting of him. That was not the last time he was seen. The last time anyone saw him or spoke to him was actually in the very early morning hours of September 17th, 2011. At 3.15am, a California Highway Patrol officer, which is referred to as a CHP officer, comes across this car. It's parked on the freeway on the southbound side near Russell Avenue in Fresno County and This is weird because we know that Mike lived in L.A. And Fresno County is actually more than three hours north of L.A. And the reason it's weird to me that he would be so far from home isn't really because it's in the middle of the night or anything. What's weird to me is the fact that he had left his phone at home.
1: Oh, yeah. He wouldn't leave without it. And he was supposed to leave for to go back to ohio the next on the 17th
0: no actually he was supposed to be in ohio it looks like right around the 22nd or 23rd because remember he was leaving nine days after his sister was dropped off at the airport to go there so the 17th is just the day the first day that his mom couldn't get in contact with him
1: okay so, was
0: Fresno on the way home? Fresno is three hours north of his home. So, that is kind of what a lot of people are thinking is that he may have been on his way home from somewhere because he's southbound on the freeway. So, he's clearly headed towards LA, towards his home. Okay. As the officer approaches the car, he sees Mike and Mike tells the officer that he's headed home to his apartment in L.A., but he ran out of gas. Now, as we know, he doesn't have his phone. So, of course, he was just sitting there out of gas with no way to call for help.
1: All by himself.
0: Yes, he was all by himself in his car. Now, in the research I've done, I've seen it say officer meaning one and i've also seen it referred to as officers meaning more than one probably two but there isn't a solid answer on if there was one officer or two officers and the lack of info around this part of the case really bothers me you'll see why as we get more into it but i think that knowing more info on this specifically could really help us in this search for Michael Darnell bell jr. I'm actually going to just keep saying officer since that's how I started it out in this story. But just so you know, there could have maybe been one more officer as well. Maybe a partner he was working with that night. It's three 15 in the morning. Mike has no phone, no gas And so the officer reports that after coming upon Mike, he just could not leave him alone, stranded on the freeway, of course. So he offers Mike a ride. And of course, Mike agrees. He's stranded at this point. The officer takes him to a Chevron gas station, which is roughly about three miles south near Mendota, which is still in Fresno County. Mike gets out of the officer's car, says he'll be all right, and then is last seen by this officer walking towards the door of the gas station's bathroom. It's not reported anywhere that there is any CCTV footage at the gas station where Mike is seen or that the officer is seen dropping him off if there was footage that would actually be such a helpful determination in coming to a conclusion on what could have possibly happened to mike and without that footage to back up the officer's telling of this interaction we are sort of just left to speculate was
1: there a witness like the worker that works in the gas station
0: as far as i can tell no
1: but he might not have gone in because was the bathroom.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, that the bathroom was one of those ones that's like an outside bathroom at the gas station.
1: So the there might not have been a witness because they probably were inside.
0: Yeah, and you think if there was a witness that it would be reported that that witness was actually the last person to see him, not the officer. But to me, it sounds like no one saw him after this officer claims to have seen him yeah after mike is dropped off at this chevron he's never seen again and two days later his car was impounded from the same spot he had left it when the officer picked him up now here is a description of mike for the time that he went missing he is a black male with brown eyes when he was last seen, he was wearing a white shirt, black pants, white sneakers, and a dark colored backpack. On one arm, he has a tattoo that says Mike. And then on the other arm, he has a tattoo that says his last name, Belle. So, Mike, Belle. One on each arm. And then above both wrists, he has the names of each of his sisters. So, one wrist says Ashanta and one wrist says Shekinah. And then he also has a tattoo of all his father's accomplishments, which just seems so special to me. I'm assuming that he got that after his father passed away back in 2009. Okay. Yeah. So both the L.A. and the Fresno police have worked on this case together since he went missing in Fresno but lived... And was reported missing in L.A. And during the investigation, that CHP officer that last saw Mike told the investigators that he wasn't sure what Mike was doing. But that Mike had told him that he was on his way home from a religious retreat. And that something happened to him there that he didn't like. So he decided to leave. But he also reports that Mike did not seem like he was in any distress. And somehow, just like that, he was gone. Now, what's a little weird about Mike saying that he was coming home from a religious retreat is that Mike's mom, who he talked to every day, did know that he owned a Church of Scientology book and was kind of looking into that faith. However, she was not aware of him attending any church or having gone to any meetings. So his mom did a interview with the Fresno Bee in 2017, and this is six years after Mike goes missing. She states to the Fresno Bee, quote, who leaves everything to contact people and just goes driving? That wasn't like him. That's all I can say. End quote. Detective Samuel Soto of the L.A. Police also talks with the Fresno Bee and states that this case is still open, but there is absolutely no new info. He also told the Fresno Bee that cases like Bell's are not rare. He says most missing people are found unharmed soon after being reported missing, so less than 1% of missing people are murdered. Which like, yes, that is probably true. But I'm not sure why he is referring to this in Mike's case because that Fresno B article, like I said, came out in 2017, six years after Mike's disappearance. And it came out on the anniversary of his disappearance. So yes, while less than 1% of missing people are murdered, It's probably because, as he stated, they are usually found unharmed soon after being reported missing. But he was talking to this journalist six years after Mike's disappearance. I think six years later, it's pretty safe to say something bad happened. Mike is not being found unharmed soon after. He has been missing for six years. And now when I'm here talking about it to you, we're in 2021. It's been almost 10 years.
1: Exactly. So what I'm still thinking about is, so if he went to this religious retreat, you could say maybe they didn't allow phones, but you would think he would at least drive with one there and then leave his phone in the car or something
0: that's what i'm thinking the fact that he left his phone and personal belongings at home is one of the biggest mysteries in this case
1: and then so when the the officer pulled him over he was for sure the only one in his car
0: yeah and the officer didn't pull him over mike was already stranded southbound on the freeway and the officer came upon him and he was definitely the only one in the car
1: So he gave him a ride to the gas station, dropped him off, but then wasn't planning on giving him a ride back.
0: That's what I'm thinking. It's so weird. It's so sus. I hate it.
1: If you're going to give him a ride there, let him fill up gas and take him back.
0: That's the only thing that makes sense to me.
1: Especially at three in the morning.
0: Especially at three in the morning. I'd rather be waiting in my car. My locked car by myself, then waiting outside of a gas station with no phone and nowhere to go at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. In the investigation, Diana's cheek was swabbed for DNA, so that in the event that Mike was found, they would be able to identify him. She says that this is when it really hit her. "Quote: That's when everything came to me. My son is really missing." End quote. So there are a few different theories on what could have happened to Mike and I really narrowed it down to about four main theories that are the most common or have the most questions surrounding them. I actually found like a Reddit thread and it's the only one I could find. It didn't even have very many comments on it. but someone out there cared about Mike's case. Whoever you are, good job. Um, But they posted just questioning it and just a little bit about the case. And so I went through and kind of read all the comments and kind of the different things people were theorizing. And this is what I came up with. So we'll start with the one that I think is the least likely. And that is that some people are questioning if Mike was maybe having a mental health crisis. Was he considering suicide? I don't believe that this is what Mike's family thinks happened because by all accounts and what I can tell, they have said they do not believe he would just walk off without warning. The problem with this theory to me is first, if he was having a mental health crisis and he decided to just disappear and walk away from his life and is living somewhere else, that's like actually so hard to do without a trace you would have to plan it for months, have money stashed away. It's not very likely that he would have been able to do this with no trace. It also sounds like he was really close with his family, so I wouldn't really understand this. And then second, he was at a gas station in the middle of the night with no car. So if this was a case of suicide... His body had to be somewhere. You can't hide your own body after you take your own life. His body should have been found by now if suicide is what happened. Unless people just aren't looking hard enough for him. So what do you think?
1: And I don't think if he was going to commit suicide, he wouldn't need to drive four hours away and run out of gas and get a ride to the gas station. Yeah doesn't
0: make any sense. Right. The second theory I came across was that he was involved with the church of Scientology. And when something happened at this religious retreat or this religious service, whatever it was, and he didn't like it, he decided to leave the retreat. And at that time, the church came after him, or he could possibly be somewhere within the Scientology church system. Now, I hardly know anything about Scientology. I've never looked into it until I was researching this case. And still, I really just barely grazed the surface. So, of course, I've heard of it because I feel like everyone's heard of it. You kind of hear it's like a cult. It's kind of scary. But really, I have no idea if this is true or not. Um, You've heard of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I looked it up just to get a general idea, and since I didn't know a lot about it, I really wanted to start at the root of it. So I started researching on their own website at Scientology.org, and Scientology was developed back in 1994 by L. Ron Hubbard.
1: I I think it was um, in the 1950s.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do think it was in the 1950s. Did I say something else?
1: Oh, 1954. I think you said, did you say 1994?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I misspoke. It is 1954 when he created Scientology. And on this site, they describe the religion as one that offers a path leading to A complete understanding of one's true spiritual nature and their relationship within themselves, their families, groups, mankind, the material universe, the spiritual universe, and the supreme being. They address the spirit, not the body or the mind. They claim that they believe that a man is an immortal spiritual being and that the ultimate goal of Scientology is true spiritual enlightenment and freedom for all. So it doesn't sound too bad, right? And it could be very normal. I don't know. I am not in the church and I am not trying to speak for it. But I did come across another article that talked about Leah Remini... How do you say it?
1: I think it's Remini.
0: Okay. And so clearly you know who she is because you knew her name. Mm -hmm. She was a star on the King of Queens show. And this show that I came across that she's a part of is called Scientology and the Aftermath. She split from Scientology in 2013 and created this show with a for former Scientologists to have a platform where they can discuss their experiences. And her goal in doing this is actually to provide enough evidence of wrongdoing to prompt a federal investigation into this church, which like, whew, oh, wow, that makes it sound bad. The Church of Scientology says that people who give statements to the show are just trying to gain publicity with these false allegations. So, you know, you make your own mind up about all of this. The Church of Scientology in this show has been accused of using actual physical violence on their members, which is scary. They have high levels of security at their California headquarters to keep people out there apparently is this grueling detention center called The Hole for members that displease the leader or the person in charge. Again, I don't know how the church works specifically. Church members are forced to cut ties with any family members that are outside of the religion or those that have left the religion and this is something that they call disconnection. Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise. I think him and his kids had to disconnect from his ex-wife which which is who?
1: Yeah, Katie Holmes.
0: Yeah so members also have to purchase books and courses and it is alleged that sometimes they have to study for 12 hours or more a day and i guess introductory courses are like a lower price to draw people in as they get deeper into it the courses get more expensive they also have to pay to attend auditing which is basically therapy And they use this thing called an E-meter, which measures electrical activity on the skin. Oh, okay. And all the therapy rooms are recorded. So these are just some of the allegations laid out in the show against the church. And again, the church says that the statements are false, but I don't know. If some of this stuff is true, it definitely has those telltale signs of a cult and if you've paid any attention to cults over the years, they can be really scary.
1: It does sound a little different.
0: And that's why I wanted to do half of my research into it through their actual website, Scientology.org. And then half of my research into it through a show that is claiming there's something scary. So you, you kind of make up your own mind on what you think about all of this. Right. Right. So applying this knowledge to our case today with Mike, Scientology does hold retreats. And I guess they have a ranch in Northern California. So one theory is that he could have ran out of gas on his way back home to L.A. And then there's also a Scientology mission in Fresno, California. So he also could have been there and then just ran out of gas shortly after he left. And while this could be true, because I guess Scientology is known for stalking and harassing those who wish to leave. I feel like if anyone was following him from the religious retreat he was at, they would have come in contact with him while he was sitting there waiting on the side of the freeway with no gas. Like, why would they wait to come and get him after he's picked up by that CHP officer and then follow them to the gas station and then get him or whatever people are thinking i also don't think he would be somewhere hiding within the church system because he left the retreat because he stated there was something he did not like so it just doesn't make sense for him to then go back and hide within the system
1: well and and if he did then he'd probably have to break ties with his family
0: right And he might not have even been into it far enough or deep enough to be at that point yet. I'm not sure when that happens, but I know he was just barely starting to look into it.
1: Yeah, just you would think he would tell somebody, his mom at least, that he was considering joining or giving them a heads up that he might have to disconnect.
0: Yeah. And his mom did know he had that church of scientology book but again she stated that she wasn't aware of him actually attending any church meetings
1: yeah that theory i don't know
0: doesn't make a whole lot of sense (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't the third theory is one that i personally keep questioning and circling back to is it possible that mike came into danger when the chp officer picked him up i personally think it is so weird that someone would not leave him on the side of the road but then pick him up drop him off at a gas station with no gas can no phone no car at three in the morning three hours away from his house three miles away from his car and then just be like okay see ya
1: I know. that. That's what I was saying in the beginning, like, in the middle. Like, that story doesn't make sense.
0: No sense. Like, at all. But it doesn't seem like it was investigated into any further. Or they just haven't come out with the info that would answer (laughs) these questions. I don't know.
1: Right. Yeah, what did the officer, did he, has he been interviewed or did he say...
0: Well, of course, I know he was talked to at the beginning of the investigation because they do have this story from him. And he is the last one to see Michael Darnell Bell Jr. alive. Uh And I don't know if this is really the case since I can't find a ton of info on it. But like, did they just ask him once and they believed him and they're like, all right, awesome. Thanks, dude. Like, that's all we needed, even though your story makes no sense. Like, why would you do that?
1: I know a lot of times if the case is open, I know they won't share details of the case that they know it's not as to not give anything away.
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't even know if he had his wallet because we know he left his phone and a bunch of personal belongings at home. So maybe he had left his wallet at home as well. And this is why he ran out of gas. Yeah. But even if he had his wallet on him, was he like? supposed to find a gas can at the gas station fill it up and then walk three miles back to his car at three four in the morning it's like the middle of the night or was he supposed to wait at the gas station all night until he finds a ride back to his car in the morning like I do not understand the mindset here with dropping him off at a gas station because you feel too bad to leave him at his car in the middle of the night. He's three hours away from his hot house and it's the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find anywhere that there are any reports of a gas station attendant seeing him or anyone seeing him being dropped off there. The last person to report seeing him is... Is that CHP officer? And he was walking into the bathroom door, which makes me think the bathroom may have been one of those ones at a gas station where it's outside of the gas station.
1: Yeah, that's what I would think too.
0: Now, don't get me wrong. I am not accusing the officer of doing anything, but I am questioning it because the whole exchange is weird and it totally rubs me the wrong way. It only makes sense to me to pick him up from his car, take him to the gas station, help him get some gas, and then take him back to his car to fill it up with gas and then continue on the road home. And maybe it's because I heard this other case not too long ago, and I don't remember the details exactly. I did listen to it on a podcast, and it was about this police officer that ended up murdering two different people. And one of them was so similar to this, where the officer had picked him up at his car, claims to have dropped him off at this gas station, and then like days later, the car was impounded where it was left. So maybe that case is totally playing into how I'm seeing this situation, but it's just weird to me. And in that case, that officer ended up hurting the person he picked up and murdering him. The guy met with foul play when he was picked up by this officer and the officer tried to play it off like, oh, I just dropped him off. I don't know what happened to him. So maybe that case is Playing into how i'm seeing this situation but it's just weird
1: yeah that does sound fishy but you would think that that would be investigated
0: and even if it was two officers could they have both done something to him it always seems weird that two people could find each other that are willing to do something so evil it happens all the time. Now, if we had footage of him from the gas station or something that proved this story to be exactly true as told, that would be great to help rule out this theory and my questions surrounding the story. The fourth and last theory is also a very likely one, and that is that Mike met with foul play shortly after being dropped off at the gas station. Because it is 10 years later, No one has ever gotten in contact with him since, and we have never found his body. This does make sense. Mike could have ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's likely if he did meet foul play, his body was hidden afterwards, and this can be a huge part of why we are 10 years down the road with no answers. Why don't we know if there's footage at the gas station? Or did the person working during that time see him? See anyone? Was he dropped off? Was he picked up?
1: There's just so many open-ended questions.
0: So many questions. It could not frustrate me anymore. My research into this was... The most frustrating research I've done up to this point
1: because because it's like who who who's gonna be out at the gas station at three fifteen? I doubt very many people are
0: a creeper, maybe.
1: and if there are people or or like a scuffle, you would think the um, gas station attendant or employee would notice,
0: yeah. but we don't hear anything about who was working that night. If they saw anything. If you're out there and you were working at this specific gas station on the night that Michael Darnell Bell Jr. went missing. Well, I guess it was the early morning, technically. September 17th. Please reach out. Let us know. Did you see anything? Was he dropped off there? Was he picked up from there?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting case. It's too bad that there's not more info out there that you could find.
0: No, and I'm hoping that... Anyone that does know anything will possibly hear this. Possibly feel like they should come forward with more info. What happened to Mike Bell?
1: Yeah, God bless his mom and her losing her husband and I I just think that a missing person with one of your children would be the worst. I would probably go nuts. I would rather know what happened. Rather than obsess about what happened or trying to find answers, it would be really tough.
0: It'd be crippling. I can't even imagine not knowing where one of my babies is. And I say babies because I don't care if they're an adult. They will always be my babies. And I'm sure that is how all moms feel. I'm sure that's how Deanna feels and she deserves more answers in this case. There are just too many questions, but I feel like so many of them could be answered with a deeper investigation into what happened. So what do you think? Where are you, Mike? This case may not have gotten a lot of media coverage, but I'm here talking about it today because I care about it. It stuck out to me. I could not stop thinking about it After I researched it, Mike, I am looking for you. I am wondering where you are. I need answers to your story, and I want you to know that you are cared about. Your story is cared about, and your name will be shared. So, if you think that Mike deserves justice, share this story, say his name, and keep him at the front of your mind. Push for answers, and let's find him. If you enjoyed our show today, please share this story with your friends and onto your social media. We would love it if you helped us continue to make this podcast by leaving us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. I will love you forever. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any case suggestions, please email them to me at truecrimeexposed at gmail.com. I also want to do this segment where we share stories of our listeners or we share questions. You can ask us questions about us about true crime, anything, any craziness that has happened to you or someone you know. Um, so if you have something to say that you want featured on the podcast, please email us again at the email Truecrimeexposed at gmail.com. Follow us on social media for pictures and info on each case we cover. We are on Instagram and TikTok at TrueCrime underscore podcast or on Twitter at TrueCrime underscore pod. This podcast is written, hosted, edited, all the things by me, Kayla Waters. It is co-hosted by my awesome mom, who's taking some time out of her super busy schedule to be here with us, Alicia Jenkins. Our original graphic art was done by Arthur Max, and our music was created by Jaden Schultz, and you can find him on Instagram at InPajamasmusic. Stick around to get organization info and a little palette cleanser. Do you want to do your part by helping some awesome organizations? The first one I have for you is the Charlie Project. It's C-H-A-R-L-E-Y project. On their site, you can read Charlie Project profiles 14,000 cold cases and missing people, mainly from the United States. They do not actively investigate cases. It's nearly a publicity vehicle to support cases that are often neglected by the press and often forgotten far too soon. I found our case today on this site. Go to www.charlieproject.org. You can sign up for a $3 voluntary subscription to donate to their cause. Help get their info out there and help find some of these forgotten people today's case was a cold case you can donate to the cold case foundation by going to coldcasefoundation.org they have a live membership that gives you access to podcasts articles books web series and premium content and a brand new cold case academy it's only a few dollars a month, and your donation will help their work on real cold cases. True Crime Exposed will be donating to each organization, and we encourage you guys to do the same and spread the word. Hi, True is I'm Charlie Waters. Now, do you need a fun little fact? After whatever creepy story my mama just told you, did you know sea otters? hold hands while I sleep. I'm going to look at a picture right now. Uh, They're so cute. Thanks for supporting my mama and nani. I love you guys. Bye.